The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Parenthood. Your life does not end here. Hi, I'm Chriselle Lim, mother of two. And I'm Sarah Son, also a mother of two. We are longtime friends and now mothers. This is Being Bumo, a podcast about all things parenting. We want to have honest conversations about motherhood so we can each define it for ourselves. We're here to build our village and we hope that you join us. Welcome back, Carcel. Oh, I should just not come back. You uh, you killed in uh, the last few episodes. Um, I just feel like my job is done here and it's just you. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I did kill it, but no. <laughs> I'm so happy you're back. I actually was like, where is my co-host doing the the last two episodes? Because I like when we are together and we like cover each other because we have different, like different things kind of spark us when we're yeah. listening to them. And it's our little catch-up session, but I was gone for a month. I am so happy to be back. Yeah. How was it? It was incredible. I mean, you know, I felt you know, I don't know what it feels like to be a rock star, but I think this month I felt like I got a glimpse of how rock star living is actually is. Uh-huh. Just because what it's like, mean? because, you know, rock stars are always like city to city. Like, but for me, I never actually experienced that because I would always come home. So for those of you that don't know, I'm in fashion and two times a year there's fashion month and usually it's for an entire month. So it's New York, London, Paris and Milan. Usually I only do New York, come back home and I skip London and Milan and just go to Paris. So I have like a two week break. But for the first time, I actually did New York, London, Milan, Paris. And then I did back to London because um, Fleur, my brand, we actually had to push back the launch date, which we're supposed to launch during London Fashion Week because Mm -hmm. the queen passed away. Oh, yeah. yeah. So... So it got extended for another week. So when I say I was literally going from city to city, like every single week for an entire month, I literally felt like a rock star. I was like, <laughs> this is like on to the next one. We're on tour. You know, we're just, we're just, we just keep going. It was exhausting, but it was, it was incredible. It's, it's one of those months where it's really tiring, but you kind of see the fruits of your labor. Mm-hmm. So that's always exciting. How did, how's Fleur doing? Where is amazing. We launched in the UK and it's at all the Selfridges, which is my That's favorite store. Incredible. Yeah, yeah, to shop at. Oh. And just seeing the actual fixture, seeing it in real life was really surreal. And, you know, because Fleur is mainly digital, obviously we're in Sephora as well, but Sephora, there's no like big fixture. But in Selfridges, there's a huge fixture for all four locations. And it just felt a little bit more real and tangible. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I felt really emotional seeing it. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm so proud. And I love seeing all the updates and you just crushing it over there. Thank you. But I'm excited to talk about the last two episodes. Yeah. Because I wasn't really here and I had a little bit of FOMO because the conversation... <laughs> we were talking about puberty, you had FOMO? <laughs> yeah, because I felt like the conversations were really, really deep and mm-hmm. something... And not just puberty, but also the social media piece as yeah. well. And so I just want to have my conversation with you about that. Yeah. And also for those of you that haven't listened to the last two episodes, you guys have to listen to it. Yeah. It's probably essential for raising kids to listen yeah. to it. I, I listened to the Kara Natterson episode three times, even though I did the interview, I went back to it because there are so, so many 
little nuggets there. Yeah. That, I mean, honestly, I think with us, because we're just starting this this developmental stage for the kids, right? Like you're like a little bit behind, a couple years yeah. behind. I'm in it, in it. Kara Natterson said to me, you have puberty twins. <gasps> puberty twins. Because what I have- What does that mean? Because I have a sixth grade boy and a fourth grade girl, but girls are tend to be a little bit faster. And that is the case with me, with us. Mm. So I know that she's already kind of starting a little bit of her puberty and he's starting as a sixth grader. So they're twins, like on their trajectory. Oh gosh. So, and they're different and they have- <laughs> yeah. So then I needed a moment to breathe through that. I was like, oh my gosh, she's right. I didn't even make that connection until she told me on the episode. So let's start there. Like, what was your biggest takeaway? There's a lot to unpack there. Everything from... Everything. Like defining puberty. puberty. Yeah, she redefines puberty for us, which was really helpful. I think the biggest takeaway for me, to be honest, entering the stage is how am I supposed to talk to the kids about it when I never had this conversation and I don't know how to have this conversation? Yeah. And I know that sounds kind of silly maybe, but I don't know how to have this conversation with the kids. When you're seeing some of these signs, whether it's the mood or physical signs that their body is changing, I don't know whether to giggle or be like, don't talk about it or just like kind of brush it away. Yeah. And so that's how we were raised. That's right? how we were raised. And that's how I thought up until the episode that I was kind of supposed to do. Ignore it, don't talk about it, and they'll be fine. Yeah. Because that's kind of, that was our experience. Like we didn't, we still haven't had that conversation with our moms. And here we are with children. So there was a little bit of that eye-opening piece. And she said that it's a little bit jarring for me because I'm new to this language. Yeah. And that was like a really, it was like a good, That it was really good that I understood that. So what's the language she's talking about? I mean, some of the things that she said, and you guys, I mean, listen to the episode because she explains it much better. But just like, you know, when the girls are starting to bud, like their little chichis are coming out. Just use the words, Sarah. <laughs> you're still, the you're still shying away from the actual words. It's the little what, breasts. The breasts. The, the breasts. breasts. Exactly. The penis, the breasts, the vagina. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad someone's real comfortable with yes. all that. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, I think it is that it's like, you know, using the appropriate names for the appropriate parts of your body right. and just normalizing it, which in hindsight, it absolutely makes sense. Like that is exactly how we should approach it. The other thing that really stuck out to me was just the fear that if we're having, you know, puberty and conversations about sex earlier on, when the kids are not even curious about it, that it maybe opens a door into that curiosity. Like yeah. I was worried that if you start talking about this, because there are so many kids who are fast, that it's going to make my kids fast, even mm. though they're not necessarily asking for it. What do you think about that? Well, after I listened to the episode, I, I kind of... So for me personally, I have no problem using the right lingo. I actually, in fact, already use it like breasts, vagina, penis, like right. all of that. And I, I, Yeah, to the girls. Yeah. And I think I talked about this in a previous episode because I am co-parenting and I'm not physically there all the time. I, I 50-50 co-parent. So I felt like I have a responsibility to make them aware of things that are kind of outside of my control when they're not around me. Yeah. And so even teaching them about period, yeah. not that telling them that they're going to get it soon, but I'm very open about it. Like when I'm in the bathroom and they see me and they see we have a pad on. They'll be like, mommy, it's a diaper. You're wearing a diaper. And <laughs> yeah. I'll have that conversation with them of like, no, women get something called period and mommy bleeds once a month. You guys will do that too when you guys get older. Mm-hmm. And this is an adult diaper. It's called a pad. Mm-hmm. And this is a tampon because right. they've seen my tampon before. 
And so because of co-parenting, I think I've been forced to kind of teach them these things because yeah. what if they get their period, especially Chloe, she's already almost eight. Yeah. In the next two to three years, she right. might get her period, right? Yeah. So I felt like I had to kind of be faster with that language and education. Yeah. But when I listened to the podcast and she was talking about porn and sex education, yeah. that made me actually cringe a little a bit little because I, you're right. Like if they're not aware of that, why would I bring that to the forefront of their attention? Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm with you on that. Yeah. I think that the reason why that conversation started is because, you know, our school, which I love and not just our schools, but many schools in Los Angeles are starting to, are having to have these conversations in fifth and sixth grade. Yeah. So then they ask the parent community like, hey, we're going to talk to your kids about porn and intercourse, like just, you know, letting you know. And so all the parents are like, wait, what? And so that's how we were even aware of this whole yeah. thing. Because because the school is having the conversation, then it's like, okay, then I guess we should also be having the conversations, yeah. right? Yeah. And so everything does feel a little fast, to be honest. It does make me take a pause and think like, oh, wow, like, is this really what we need to be doing? But if, yeah. I think well, if we live in, yeah, in certain communities. Yeah, I to. think because we live in this digital modern world now, kids just have access to so much more yeah. than what we had. Yeah. And so it does make a lot of sense when it might not be your child that is looking at porn yeah. or being exposed to it, but there might be someone in the in their grade yeah. that is exposed to it right. and so i understand that at some point they are going to get exposed to it by somebody or something yeah. so it's probably better coming from you versus just a friend a peer yeah. right yeah and i think that's where she was getting at i think so too and i think really what we're doing is trying to create by giving them awareness it actually creates more of a safety net it's yeah. like a it's the best way to keep them safe actually because she was saying how like it doesn't happen with alcohol and doesn't happen with smoking mm. right like when you start talking to your kids and that's true actually i've already talked to my kids about drugs and alcohol and it, that would make sense to me because yeah. if you talk to them early on about all of the damages that it does to your body and like how they're athletes and like the, you keep your body, you, your body's a temple, like you respect your body, then like I think the chances of them trying drugs or thinking it's fun or cool will be less. So how does that conversation look like with your... The alcohol and drugs? Yeah. I mean, just like, I don't know, like if it comes up, like if we see somebody, like somebody drinking or somebody smoking, then we'll bring it up. My husband and I both do and we'll say, oh... Or if they ask, I mean, we haven't had the conversation recently, but we've had, we have it enough where they know that it's bad for your body, that it, it doesn't make you a strong and healthy person. Yeah. And so like, we don't do it and we don't smoke. I mean, I, we drink a little bit here and there, but we are not like drinking all day at home. And so. Well, maybe that's why, maybe because drinking, smoking is so normalized and you see it in the forefront all the time, mm -hmm, whether mm -hmm. it's within your family for like a night out or like drinking between the parents or like you're walking and you just see a bypass or smoking, it's easier to point out and be like, this is what happens mm -hmm. if you do this. But then with sex, you don't really see it, right? Yeah. And you don't physically ever come to a point where you're like, this is how it looks like. Yeah. It's almost like a, I don't know. Yeah, it's something like quote unquote private. Yeah. So then like, how do you talk about it and bring it to the light? Yeah. And I think you just do. Just yeah. like we're talking about. So how it would now? that conversation look like? 
I mean, I mean, you have the oldest child. So how yeah. would that look like? I mean, and I think that's the reckoning that I'm trying to understand. Like, how do I take all of this information that has been given to me? And Kara said that kids in fifth or sixth grade, it's a very high percentage of kids, you know, have seen some sort of explicit content or sex by then, porn by then. By so what, what age? I think like fifth or sixth grade is what uh -huh. she's saying. Okay. So then I also have to digest that information myself or my family. What does that look like? To be honest, you know, you know me, like I'm actually, you know, that I'm kind of a stickler with the screen time. So my kids, you know, don't do it. But now that they are going to more friends house, I do worry like if it's a friend's house and then they have older siblings and older, you know, yeah. like sister and brother. So they're, they can be exposed that way. So we want to have these conversations. I think for me, it's, I set the bar, my family, we still talk about, our body being a temple and respecting our body and taking care of our bodies. And that means with food, that means with what we watch, that means with how we speak, the music we listen to. So all of that is part of being like a healthy person, not just physically, but also spiritually. Yeah. And we talk about, we talk about what it means to be in a loving relationship in a respectful relationship. What does that look like when dad treats me this way and I treat him that way, like when we're in service of each other. And so and the sex is part of that conversation as, I mean, we have not like, we've not like described intercourse to our kids, but we talk about like how relationships should be formed. And like, we talk about respect and service and how, you know, sex is part of that. Yeah. We haven't had like the physical conversation about Maybe sex yet. Maybe it'll be easier for a man to, man, like, mm, yeah. like, your husband to talk to yeah. your son about it yeah because then he can maybe describe how he's gonna feel right like obviously with hormones changing he's gonna feel certain things mm -hmm. and it's gonna but that's harder for you to have that type of conversation mm -hmm. with right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. same thing with girls like I think it would just make a lot more sense for me to have that type of conversation with my girls than yeah. Their dad, yeah, right? That makes sense. Something that Kara said that was so good. I don't know if you remember, but she said, it's not going to be one gigantic awkward conversation and this is going to be done. It's going to be a multiple tiny conversations for the next decade. Oh, I believe About that. all of the things that have to do with your body and sex and relationships, which was, you know, that, that was, that was good. It was like a good reminder. I believe that because even with my divorce, you know, it's still ongoing with these questions I get from, especially Chloe. You know, in the beginning, there were a lot more questions, but mm -hmm. randomly here and there, she'll bring up like random questions. Yeah. And it just shows me that it's an ongoing learning process for her, yeah. right? Of what this new kind of situation looks like. And I would imagine that's the same thing. I think so too. With these new topics that mm -hmm. are going to be brought up, which yeah. is... Very scary and exciting, yeah. I guess. Yeah, scary and exciting. That's a good way to put it. So as you guys know, I've been gone for quite some time for Fashion Month. And the one thing that really helped me get through was Perfect Bar. It's just so crazy busy during the week for me during these fashion shows. I'm just running around. There's barely any time to eat until like breakfast and dinner. So Perfect Bar really kind of helps me keep going, keeps me healthy, gives me energy. And what I love about them is that they have a lineup of fresh from the fridge protein snacks that actually taste good and are good for you. That's why here at Bumo, we are excited to partner with Perfect Bar and share one of our favorite go-to refrigerated snacks with you. If you're looking for something nutritious and delicious, well, look no further than Perfect Bar. Their lineup of fresh from the fridge protein bars, Perfect Bar is exactly what you and your family and your kids need. 
Perfect Bar knows it will be love at first bite. So for a limited time, they're offering you a chance to try the refrigerated protein bars for free. Here's how it works. Sign up for email or text and upload a picture of your receipt from your local grocery store and they'll reimburse you for the cost of the one bar directly into your Venmo or PayPal account. That is pretty cool, right? All you have to do is go to perfectsnack.com slash Bumo to get a free Perfect Bar today. That's perfectsnacks.com slash Bumo to get a free Perfect Bar today. Happy snacking. So holiday season is coming up. What are you looking forward to? I can't believe that, by the way. But the one thing that I am looking forward to is just taking some time off, but also creating like quality memories together, like doing activities, like doing things with the kids. Okay, so like what? I mean, from baking cookies to just like the little things, but also KiwiCo is our absolute favorite, favorite activity to do just because they make it so easy for us. Like you don't really have to think about what creative activity to do because I'm actually really not good at that. They literally just kind of hand deliver everything that you need with all the materials, the instructions, everything that you need in order to have the best time. And the kids are so obsessed with it. How about you? I agree. I think KiwiCo is a great gift for my kids and just kind of all of the kids around me. Um, When you give KiwiCo, you're gifting so much more than a small box of toys. You're gifting a season of discovery, experiences with loved ones, and holiday excitement that lasts beyond the holidays. And without having to spend a fortune. And with everything delivered straight to your door, you can focus more time on things that matter and less on the things that just don't. We recently did a kite one that they sent us. So you build the kite, which is also so cool because... I've never built a kite. Like to really understand the engineering behind a kite is so cool. And then they send a pump so you can pump it up just to give it that initial little push. Uh Uh-huh. So the kids just love it and they play with it. And even my kids who are fourth and sixth graders, they still love these projects so much. It means something to them. It helps them make connections. They really have something for every age. They do. Um, KiwiCo does a legwork for you, the legwork for you. So you can spend quality time tackling the projects together. So as a parent, I know that it could be hard to find creative ways to keep your children busy and challenged, especially during the holiday season, just because everyone is so, so busy and booked. So this season, give the gift of learning. Give awesome this holiday with KiwiCo. Get your first month free on any crate line at KiwiCo.com slash Bumo. That's KiwiCo.com slash Bumo. Have you been looking for a place to talk all things parenting? And I'm not talking about who makes the best stroller, but the really important stuff like how to be a better and more connected parent or how to raise children with empathy. Well, you are in the right place, folks. My name is Brandi Jordan, and I am a doula and parenting expert. And this is my show, Dear Doula. I will be giving you practical and impactful tips to parent with more joy, more calm, and more ease. I will also be talking to parents and experts who will be helping us to reimagine what it looks like to nurture ourselves and parent in more gentle and mindful ways. I am so excited to be in community with all of you. Can't wait to hear from you. So what do you think, Chris, for you? Like you were saying how you already talked to the girls about menstruation and how it's part of like your body as it's growing. Mm-hmm. Is that, and that how did they react to that was actually my first question. They just had a lot of questions. You know, they're okay. just curious. They're just okay. like, so when does the blood stop? Like, what if like, you know, you have too much blood? Like just normal questions that I think any child 
would want to know. Yeah. Like to them, they're like, okay, well, do you keep bleeding forever? Like <laughs> oh, things no. like that. Okay. And um, did they seem scared or just thought no, like just it was very like matter curious. of fact? Yeah. I think that that proves to you that it's us as adults that make these topics scarier than mm-hmm. they actually are because mm-hmm. we have this kind of notion of how they're going to feel or think. But for them, they're just really curious, right? They just want to know. And so I think if we view all these, you know, uncomfortable topics in that sense of like, they're just curious, even when Mm -hmm. it comes to sex, they just want to know like how it happens happens, and why it happens, happens, why they feel the way they feel and how a baby is born, like what that what that looks like, you know. They're just curious. Yeah. I think definitely when they're curious, you should give them like flat information, yeah. like, you know, data, flat information. My concern was always like, if they're not curious and now they have to have this conversation at school yeah, and then it kind of opens their curiosity and they're like, oh, I didn't even think about that because there are kids who are a little bit like slower. Like yeah. they're just thinking about yeah. football. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, I, and I, and I can see that with your son because yeah. your son is so focused on just like. He what? should. Yeah. What he's into. Yeah. Yeah. Like he hasn't once asked me anything about how our baby's made or anything like that. Yeah. He just not curious about that yet. Has has your daughter? My daughter knows everything. Yeah. See, Every, she I knows think it's a girl and she guy knows thing, everything. Though. She found my pregnancy books and has read them and <sighs> has seen all of the images. She's very well versed in her body and how it works and why it works that way, actually. I and she's very proud. Girls are just curious little beings yeah. and they have a lot of questions i yeah. think boys are too but maybe they get those questions and thoughts a little later yeah i think so too yeah and i think for her is when she saw her first grade teacher pregnant and by first grade she's like fully aware she's like yeah. okay there's like a big belly growing out of my teacher yeah. what is that and that was her first that was the first time that she started to ask those questions oh I well, what see. do you mean the baby's inside but how did the baby get inside but why but when and the whole thing and then oh there's a dad but what do you mean why do you need the dad and so that's when all of that started to come for her yeah. and she's actually very well versed in all so of does it. she know about sex then she knows that you need a dad and a mom to have a baby and maybe okay. that's like more traditional, but we're going to stay there for as long as we can. Uh So, but that's how she does it. But but she doesn't know that it's like, she doesn't know like the actual physical part of it, but she does know that there is something about having a mom and a dad to have a baby. I see. I see. Like a male and a female. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I definitely got the question of how our baby's made, Mm -hmm. but obviously the girls are still a little too young, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm sure that. What will you say when they ask? I think I'll just tell them straight, you know? What do you mean by that exactly? <laughs> you have to have sex. Okay. And if they're like, what is sex? Yeah. When two people have intercourse, what is intercourse? Uh-huh. It is when the penis goes in the vagina. Okay. Oh, and right. let's, let's move on. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they know this, yeah. because think about it, if a boy is trying to get our daughters into bed or want to sleep with them. And they are aware that if a penis goes in the vagina and that is how a baby is made, Mm -hmm. that education will empower them at some point to be like, I don't want that or I do want that. Yeah, You know, this is not worth it. Right. And so as uncomfortable as it is, I think I'm very comfortable having that conversation with the girls. And I think it really took me to have my divorce to be able to be like, I'm just going to tell them exactly 
what they need to hear because I am 50% not in their lives, right? right? Yeah. And so I feel like I had the responsibility to educate them as much as I can to do that. I, I can't baby them anymore, right? Yeah. And so I'm, they, yeah. yes, there is a downfall of like, they're going to have to grow up a little earlier than most people, but that's my life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that there is something, I mean, and Kara said this, that like when you give them the words and you give them the actual physical process, that it does keep them safer because they yeah. are aware and she talks about consent. And that was, that was like an important piece that she was saying it's important for girls to understand what that looks like and what that feels like. Consent as in like, I don't want to do right. this. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. some there are girls that go into relationships not knowing anything yeah. and then they have sex and it's like it happened to them, but it wasn't something they wanted. So, I mean, the conversation is much broader than this. Yeah. And I think that's why it was so good that she said, it's not going to be one awkward conversation with your kid. It's going yeah. to be multiple things. And the bigger thing is that we have the tools as parents to guide them and to protect them and to help them as these questions arise. Yeah. Yeah. And also there is a power of, and this is how my mom raised me because I never did drugs or I never really drank in high school. Mm -hmm. There's a power in being fearful mm -hmm, of like mm -hmm. being a little scared, but yeah. you cannot scare a child unless they really know the reality of things you cannot put them in like this little bubble of like you know this is your my mom by the way she never told me what a vagina was in the proper form so <laughs> I always thought it was called something else in yeah, Korea. Yeah, yeah. and I just found out maybe like five years ago like yeah. in my early 30s that yeah. I was tricked so that was a, a nice reality check for me but besides that, my mom had a really great way of being like, if you do drugs and you drink, you will die. Like you will <laughs> actually die because your body cannot handle it. And you will be on the streets like the, those homeless people. Mm -hmm. And there's some sort of like fear where I'm like, I cannot, I, even though my, my peers were all doing drugs in high school. There was that little voice. Yeah, I never touched it. Mm -hmm. I was so scared. So I think that also, I mean, that that was false education, by the way, mom. You yeah. don't really die unless right. you like overdose. But but with, I think, sex, I think it's scary knowing the reality of things. Like if you tell them like maybe sex might be fun at times, maybe sex can feel good at times. But the reality is you will not have a life if you become pregnant. Right. Like if you have a child at this age, you can say goodbye to everything. Yeah. And yeah. so... Yeah. And just like a bunch of other things. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. but I also think that comes from education. I agree. Obviously not at this age that my girls are at, at like four and seven, yeah. but maybe in the next few years yeah. as they enter in middle school. And puberty. And puberty. Yeah. But... I'm just yeah. so grateful that at least I think our generation is just more educated yeah. and more open about it. And we can have these conversations with the kids. I think we're just going to do a much better job guiding them through puberty yeah. than I think our parents yeah. did, which yeah. it's a win in my book. I think so. And I know, you know, I I don't know. I, I go back and forth on this and I'm sure you do too, because you and I are modern day parents living in this modern day world. But you and I both are raised in like Christian homes. You know, yeah. we identify as Christians. Yeah. I identify as a very modern Christian, but I also am a realist as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I have this conversation with my parents all the time. And for me, it's not about like not having sex because mm -hmm. I know the reality with 
just children now is that the more you take something away from them or like ban it in their lives, the more they're going to want to do it, right? Yeah. So just having that open conversation of like, I prefer you not to, mm-hmm. but if you do, these are the tools that you need to have. And even my mom said that <laughs> the other day. She was like, you know, my mom, my friend's daughter, she she has like teenage kids and she gives them condoms. Maybe you should do that too. And I'm like, your mom said that. My mom, I'm like, okay. do you know what a condom is, mom? <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So she's like keeping up with the times too. Yeah. She's yeah. trying, which I, I I do appreciate a lot. Okay. But... So maybe I'm the only one that's like stuck way back in like five fifty years ago. No. No. I, and you know, it, it's it it's kind of of what we were raised with and oh. our own morals, I guess. Yeah. But I think it's okay to teach them what we value and what we think, but also have a little bit of a reality ch- chat with them to like, yeah. if it happens, I'm not going to be ashamed of you. Right. Because the last thing you also want your kids to do is not tell you. Right. right. Yeah. I think, I don't know, this is what I'm thinking and it's all coming together the last two weeks as I'm facing it, Kara having a conversation with you. It's like, I have to be really intentional in, you know, building the foundation and the yeah. values in my home based on the things that we do believe in, the things that we do want for our children. Because yeah. I do think that there is, because the world is moving so fast, I think that when you offer the opposite and you can have conversations with your kids, like these kids behave this way and this is what they're doing. And they're, you know, exploring things faster and doing things faster. And that's fine. And like, that's their reality. But not everybody has to be doing that. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's an alternate option and you can choose not to do those things. Mm-hmm. And there's something really important about having all of the education and still choosing yeah. not to do it. Yeah. And I think I just, I feel like I just have to do more of that. Yeah. To be more intentional about laying the foundation for the things that we believe and the values that we have and not feel like, well, since everyone's doing it, I'm going to do it. But instead look at it as even though everyone's doing it, I can choose not to. And yeah. I can be empowered in that. Yeah. It's kind of what I'm starting to realize. Yeah. And even empowering your kids with that as well. It's like, look, this is what is going on maybe in your school, but it doesn't mean that you have to do that. You can make your own yeah. decision. Like, right. I think I told this story a few episodes back, but there was one of our neighborhood girls came over and she's older and she wanted to do something kind of naughty in our house, mm-hmm. which was take all of the products mm-hmm. in the bathroom and chuck it in our backyard from the, the second floor balcony. Yeah. Uh-huh. They thought it was funny seeing the lotions explode in the backyard. You know, they're dumping it on the patio. Obviously, my girl's would have never had this idea unless this older girl came out and said this, we should do this. This should be fun, right? And so I had this long chat with them afterwards. First of all, like they did get in trouble. So, you know, they cleaned up. They had a bit of quiet time for the rest of the day and they couldn't really play anymore. But then afterwards, my whole conversation with them is even though our neighbor and she's our good friend and she's older, she wants to do something you don't have to follow right. that. Yeah. You, If you know, I asked them, like, did you know deep down in your heart that was a bad idea? And they both nodded. And I okay. was like, then you have to follow that. You cannot think that just because someone wants to do something, even if they're older, even though they're maybe a little smarter and more mature, it doesn't mean that you have to do it. And so I think having these conversations, it doesn't have to be like this big sex conversation. I think... Mm-hmm. 
these little examples of life lessons of things that they encounter every day just so when they get to that place to make that big decision of like oh well i don't have to do it right everyone around me is having sex i don't have to do it right right yeah and so just teaching them early on maybe so if anything i'm i think you're absolutely right i think we were kind of raised in like a very fear way like if you have sex you're gonna die or if you drink alcohol you're gonna (laughs) die and i had those things too Um, for me it was like a lot of yeah like you're not a good girl if you right it's like the good girls don't have sex like all the like slutty girls have sex so it's like oh well i don't want to be a slutty girl so i'm not gonna have sex so there was so much like shame around it so now the great thing is we want the, our kids to make their own choices, which I do value that and give them the information. But if anything, I think that's, I'm hopeful that that's actually going to make them stronger. Yeah. I actually feel like they're going to like take on and understand why it's not good to have yeah. sex all the time with people you don't care about. Yeah. And then value themselves even more and yeah. say like, maybe I, I won't participate in that. Yeah. 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 I yeah. think I think that's where we're trying to get to. Yeah, I think so too. I think just giving them the right tools to understand like they can make their own decision right at the end of the day and that starts by really teaching them who they are like really filling their cup and their hearts with who they are how valuable they are how loved and beloved they are so that they don't yeah they don't have to succumb to peer pressure yeah 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 exactly right is that is that is that what we're doing is that i mean it's it's easier said than done you know i know that we're talking about as if it's like black and white a little manual but it's not right i know when you're when we're gonna face it there's gonna be a lot of things unexpected questions and situations and then be able to to pivot when we yeah, need to be be adapt. able to yeah. be flexible, but also set a high standard for our children. Like I, I will talk to my kids about abstinence and yeah. I will talk to them about why there is something important about that. Mm-hmm. Are they going to? Probably not. But at least set a high standard that they could at least look towards when they're in like middle school and high school. And then, you know, when they don't, they can come to mom and dad and have the conversations and we'll be flexible and loving and obviously. But I don't know. I think it's okay to have high expectations yeah. for them. I think so. I think setting that bar really high, but also in a way where they're not going to be scared to come to you if they yeah. don't follow through. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the why is important. Like set the standard and then explain the why. Uh-huh. And then, you know, lead with grace while doing all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, scary. I hope so. I hope that's the plan because I feel like that's the plan because the plan cannot be to scare them like they did to us. Oh, yeah. The, no. the plan cannot I mean, be shaming and scare. Like if you do all of these things, you're not like a good girl. So then that's why we well, made all those choices. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it worked for me during middle school. It and high definitely school. worked I, for me too. It, I did not drink or smoke. <laughs> but Dang. guess who went crazy in college? <laughs> I sure did. So it comes out somewhere or the it other, comes right? Out somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think scaring and fear mongering is not the tactic. It helps a little, but then you have to know your kids. <laughs> temporarily until they're out, out of your household. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I hope that you guys enjoy this conversation. Enjoy. Is that the word you're using? Uh, I mean, <laughs> enjoy. Yeah. Because okay. hopefully it empowers them. I mean, I think we're all kind of going through the same struggles and fears and hopefully it inspires inspires okay. yeah all right yeah. let's go with that but please 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 if you haven't listened to the previous episode you definitely should because this is where she really breaks it down as far as how to have this conversation what that looks like you know we both listened to this 
this episode multiple times just because there's so many amazing nuggets. So we'll leave the link down below. But it is, I think it's right, like the previous episode. Yeah, two before the Karen Addison episode on puberty. And the biggest thing is, I think the assurance I needed and the confidence I needed was that by having these conversations, we're actually providing a more protective layer for our children. Mm -hmm. Like it's actually the safest way to kind of send them out to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys for listening in and we will see you next week. Bye guys. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We want to keep this conversation going with you. So please leave us a DM on Instagram and make sure to follow us and subscribe to our podcast. And we would love it if you left us a review. Also, if you're in the Los Angeles area, make sure to visit us at Bumo Work at Westfield Century City Shopping Center. And if you're looking for educational-based content entertainment for your little ones, visit us at www.bumobrain.com or at Bumobrain on Instagram. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.